Hello everyone, my name is Chris Rouse and I would like to welcome you to this podcast. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. We are uh, still in the liturgical season of Easter, celebrating the life-giving power of God that is displayed throughout all ages. As I mentioned last week, I believe Easter is more than just the, the events of a single day. It is an entire way, really, that we orient our life and faith Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, is the one who was, is, and still is yet to come. The work of the Spirit is weaving the resurrection into the very fibers of the universe, even in this moment. And in this liturgical season of Easter, we are admiring the rich tapestry of threads woven into the resurrection garment. Now, in the past 24 to 36 months, it seems that the entire world has also been clothed in a garment of heaviness of spirit and mind. Perhaps it should not be a surprise that conspiracy theories have abounded in such moments because heaviness, I think it can breed suspicion. Around the corners of daily activity, Facebook threads and Twitter posts, news reports and whistleblowing articles all warn us of forces conspiring to drag us down a path of political oppression, economic chaos, biological disaster, and times of tribulation. As odd as it may sound, the resurrection becomes the source of some very serious conspiracy, but maybe not in the way we would expect. So let's journey into some of the lesser appreciated moments of the resurrection events and see what we uncover. This is Pneumaturgical. Will you join me in this opening prayer today? Almighty God, Through your only Son, you overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we who celebrate our Lord's resurrection by the renewing of your Spirit arise from the death of sin to the life of righteousness. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For our scripture reading today, I'm going to begin uh, in Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to pick up at verse 62 and then continue on into chapter 28. And uh, the events that we will be reading about, they pick up after the burial of Jesus. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body 
and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. And tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders, and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This is the word of God, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, given through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to build up the people of God. Amen. So our scripture reading for today is located in the book of Matthew. Now, Matthew's gospel offers us a unique glimpse into the events of the resurrection and following that I want to take a look at today. I've imagined, and I think I've posted about this at different times, but I've, I've imagined for several years now that the two thieves Jesus was crucified between were perhaps religion and politics. This may be somewhat of a sensational interpretation to some. And to be fair, neither religion nor politics are necessarily bad. But they both come to express the hunger that people have for power, 
for economic stability and for personal gain, particularly in these scriptures in Matthew. And so both the religious leadership and the political leadership attempt to rob Jesus of his identity. One of the most fascinating, at least to me, and I think often underappreciated moments of the passion narrative in Matthew is the dream that Pilate's wife relates to her husband as he sits in deliberation over the life of Jesus. Now, of course, we're going back a little bit prior to the resurrection, but I think we've got to trace some threads out to understand a little bit of the content we're looking at today. Pilate's wife, she has suffered a dream. It's something, she says, that has brought anguish or torment or trouble. This is not just a a passing thought in her mind. And so Pilate's wife, she perhaps sees this dream as an omen. And she sends word to her husband, do not have anything to do literally what Matthew writes, with this righteous man. It seems that she's able to perceive something about Jesus that others cannot. Now maybe Pilate believes that washing his hands is the way to distance himself. Doesn't that sound pretty familiar? Wash your hands and keep distanced. (laughs) But just as Judas earlier realizes he has betrayed innocent blood, Pilate now says that he washes himself, kind of symbolically, of the innocent blood of Jesus. But Pilate is is hardly innocent in many ways. He knows, and, and it says earlier in Matthew's gospel, he knows that Jesus is being charged out of envy, out of jealousy from the religious leadership. He hands Jesus over because he cannot find anything else to do that would provide benefit or gain. But benefit or gain for who? For himself, I think. Uh, For political and economic stability and security. So Jesus is crucified between these two thieves. Religion and politics have conspired together. They have collaborated in a horrible way uh, in the murder of a just and righteous man. And no matter how much scrubbing happens, the stains of innocent blood are all over them. Something that seems worth noticing here is that the crowds are used as leverage by the religious leadership. Jesus has done no wrong to the crowds. As a matter of fact, the only thing he's done is constantly offered healing and deliverance and salvation. And the religious leaders have no intention of being completely honest about all of their intentions. Jesus has indeed spoken words that they deem blasphemous. But Jesus has also demonstrated the integrity of those words. Religion is hardly honest here, rather conspiring to kill the testimony of God's desire to bring life. 
But Jesus has no intention of being robbed. God's plan to redeem cannot be derailed by the conspiring of powers. Jesus emerges from the tomb. The women witness this display of power, as do the guards assigned by politics and religion, to ensure that the imposter's body, the deceiver's body, is not stolen by his disciples. We can't have Jesus' words actually coming to pass now. And I've always wondered, if you didn't believe Jesus' words had any integrity, why go to such great lengths to prevent them from happening? The guards, perhaps afraid that they will be punished for failing at their jobs, perhaps uncertain of how to handle the matter, they seek out not necessarily the political leadership, but they seek out religion. They tell the religious leaders what happened. They tell them the truth. Now, the religious leaders are no strangers to offering sums of money to kill Jesus. It seems Judas's betrayal was of lesser value, however, than keeping these guards quiet. And so the conspiracy thickens. Religion says to these men who have witnessed the truth of Jesus' resurrection, stick to the story we give you. We'll make sure everything works out for you. As a matter of fact, here's some incentive. In short, religion offers to perpetuate the conspiracy. Religion tries to buy off the truth so that it can control the narrative given to politics. Religion ultimately becomes consumed with power and tries to conspire to keep Jesus in the tomb. Y'all, Matthew provides so much texture into the events of the resurrection. The fact that his gospel ends shortly after kind of tying together this conspiracy of political and religious leadership leaves a striking impression. In the wake of the resurrection, we are left with some very troubling thoughts here. The relationship between religious and political forces and their willingness to crucify the innocent and righteous is absolutely sinful. And of course, the fact that religious leaders must perpetuate a conspiracy because reality doesn't fit their narrative is something that strikes me out of Matthew's gospel every time. God's revelation in and through Jesus never settled well with religion. And you can see this throughout the Gospels and beyond. If religion serves a correct and pure purpose in our lives, then we become formed by those daily practices that keep us focused on worshiping Christ But the power and the will of Jesus sometimes run contrary to our own desire for power and control. Jesus may call us to protect the innocent, but we may feel that for our own security, it will be easier to remain silent or to simply tell another story. In such ways, are we conspiring to rob the resurrection of its power to transform and redeem all people. 
Perhaps this Easter conspiracy will help you to uncover the work of the Spirit. Let's pray. Eternal God, Father, Son, Spirit, you are even now making all things new through the power of the resurrection. In the light of new life, you call us to abandon the dark places of our own conspiracies for power and control. The resurrection is not the triumph of our own power or fidelity or charity. The resurrection is the triumph of righteousness, of love, of divine mercy and grace, of faithfulness. Help us, Lord, to break away from the crowd pulled violently by the voices of religious and political control. Help us, Spirit, to hear your voice in dreams and visions in the supernatural ways that we would not simply wash our hands, but that we would, with cleansed hearts, be a resurrected community for the innocent and betrayed. Amen. Hey folks, I hope that you are having a truly wonderful Easter season. I pray that you are encountering and reflecting on the power of the resurrection at work around us. I have really enjoyed the last couple of weeks um, in the Easter season here on this podcast. Of course, Uh, the interview with Robbie Waddell about Easter and the book of Revelation. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do. Uh, Of course, my first uh, special episode of Pneumaturgical Lives with Dr. Cheryl Johns. Uh, That's also up now. So much good content in there. I'm planning uh, later this week to uh, do a uh, kind of a live broadcast, probably through Facebook Live, I'm thinking, Um, just to do some follow-up discussion of um, some of the points that were raised in those two interviews, just some good stuff to continue thinking about uh, into this Easter season. So my prayer for each of you is that, um, that the Lord's grace and His faithfulness would be evident uh, and that the work of the Spirit would continue in you and through you. 